when companies are purposely using inflation as cover to increase their prices, they're really taking advantage of people when they're already down and out. That should be disincentivized. A windfall tax would basically put extra surtax on the profits that are above and beyond the normal range to capture the fact that they're exploiting a difficult time to make more money off the backs of Canadians. And that revenue would be used to reduce the cost for groceries by putting more money into people's pockets through rebates like the GST rebate or other rebates. I'm Peter McCulley, the leader of the New Democratic Party of Canada as the Member of Parliament for Burnaby South. We caught up with him recently as he released the party's platform to reduce the costs of groceries in Canada. Jugmeet Singh when Today in BC continues. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much. We've caught up to you on your second visit to Vancouver Island in 2023. You must enjoy getting out and meeting people one-on-one. I love it. It's a big part of my yearly routine. My summer schedule is I've got to get out and meet people, hear from them directly, hear their concerns, and we try to cover as many communities as possible, but I love coming to the island. You've been talking to Canadians about the cost of groceries. What questions have you been asking to the people that you've been meeting? I want to know what it's like. What is the challenge? Is there a challenge of buying groceries? And to describe that for me. And people are telling me that it is a major concern. I heard from Shay and Tiana yesterday. They both live in Nanaimo. And they said that it is one of their biggest worries. It's become one of their biggest costs. And they both feel like they're having to make big sacrifices to be able to feed their family. Folks that I've met just in passing and mentioned when I asked them, what's your biggest worry? They keep on saying the cost of living. The two number one things that people say, housing, groceries. So what is the New Democratic Party's plan to reduce the cost of groceries across the country? First, I want to acknowledge that when people are feeling like the costs are high, they're right. The costs are high. In fact, they're record high. And at the same time, corporate grocery chains are also posting not just any old profits, but record profits. So we started to say that's very suspicious when they've been saying that, oh, our prices are up because inflation has meant our costs have gone up. And we said, wait a second, if your costs have gone up and you've kept your prices high enough to match your costs, then your profits would stay the same. But if you're posting record profits, that must mean that you've increased your prices beyond the increased costs. And then we pushed for an investigation by the Competition Bureau that confirmed exactly that the large corporate grocery stores have indeed increased their profit margins in this difficult time. And we also called the CEOs of the major grocery stores that that run the majority of grocery stores across the country. And I asked how much profit is enough because you're making record profits. Couldn't answer the question. And it really confirmed to me that this is why government's got to step in. So we've got a, a plan to approach the cost of groceries. First off, we need more accountability, better transparency, and more punishment for the price of groceries and any case of consumer abuse. The example I give is bread price fixing happened in Canada when the large corporate grocery stores and the large bread manufacturers colluded together to increase the cost of bread. Folks might recall that happened around 2018. Some of the news came out about that. One of the CEOs involved testified and basically got a slap on the wrist, really no sanction. The similar thing happened in the United States and the CEO that was involved got a jail sentence. That's how serious it is because if you think about it, colluding to increase the prices of food is a necessity. That means some people might go hungry. It is a very severe and serious offense to do that. So we need stricter and stronger penalties. That means strengthening the competition laws. 
And we also need to make sure that we are following the Competition Bureau's recommendations, which is to increase competition. And we want to focus on local independent grocers and having more of them. The final piece is an excess profit tax, which would disincentivize the gouging of Canadians when companies are purposely using inflation as cover to increase their prices. They're really taking advantage of people when they're already down and out. That should be disincentivized. A windfall tax would basically put an extra surtax on the profits that are above and beyond the normal range to capture the fact that they're exploiting a difficult time to make more money off the backs of Canadians. And that revenue would be used to reduce the cost for groceries by putting more money into people's pockets through rebates like the GST rebate or other rebates that would put money back into Canadians' pockets. You mentioned the excess profit taxes in place in other countries. What are some of those other countries? So the United Kingdom, Spain, and Germany are three countries that have a windfall tax in place. The United Kingdom's is specifically in relation to oil and gas companies that have posted record profits in the past couple of years. So they put in place a windfall tax to increase revenue there and to disincentivize the gouging that's going on when it comes to the cost of energy because these companies are making, again, more money than they've ever made before. So I've cited those countries to show that it's being done in other countries. We can do something similarly here. We're saying let's target specifically the corporate grocery stores. In December, the prime minister said that he thought the idea of a windfall tax on the grocery industry was too simplistic and he thought that it might do more harm than good. I think the prime minister doesn't know what it's like to struggle to buy groceries. Like I remember when I was 20, going to university, my kid brother had to come live with me. He's 15. And I was working multiple minimum wage jobs to put food on the table. And the fear that I had, the worry that I had that my kid brother would go hungry, I remember those moments and those times vividly. It is not simplistic to say we need to stop companies that are gouging Canadians. The windfall tax has been put in place in other countries. They saw that it would work, and it's working there. We could do it here. In fact, the committee that was tasked to look at the cost of foods, something else that we pushed for, had recommended us looking at a windfall tax. We think it would work, and it would increase revenue to put back in the pockets of families, and it would disincentivize the gouging. You've been talking about the housing crisis, especially the cost of rents across the country, which goes hand in hand with the price of groceries. What's your solution to cool the rents and create a program that allows people to get into the market that currently can't afford to do so? Again, I want to acknowledge that this is truly a major concern. We are the most expensive jurisdiction in the OECD, the fastest increasing costs. We are well out of range of other countries that are similar to us it's become really impossible. The average rent in a city like Vancouver for a one bedroom is 3,000, city of Toronto, 2,500. These are what we would have considered luxury apartments in the past. This is just the average price now. So it's become very unaffordable. I wanna acknowledge that it's very serious. On top of that, the vacancy rates are so low, so there's nothing available, even if you wanted to look for a place. So we're saying, we look at the track record of the two governments and where they went wrong. When Harper was in power, the Conservatives had 10 years. We lost 800,000 affordable homes in that period of time. Since the Liberals have been in power, another 200,000 affordable homes have been lost. So over 18 years, a million affordable places have been lost. That's a big part of the problem. We're losing more affordable homes than we're building. And if you look at different communities, rent evictions or dem evictions are so common where something that's affordable is bought by a big developer they renovate or demevict the occupant, meaning they evict them and then they renovate the place, put it back on for rent at double, triple, quadruple what it was before. 
It's not affordable. If more of that happens, that's not going to solve the problem. We need to build what's affordable. We need to build specifically rental that's affordable and build homes that are affordable to buy. And we can do it. It's absolutely achievable. We've got to make it a priority. The final thing I would say on this is that the federal government has the land, the money, and the power to build homes and simply not doing it. It hasn't done for decades. Well, I would change that. I would use the power, the land, and the resources at the federal level to actively build homes. When the House of Commons is not sitting, how often do you get to talk to the leaders of the opposition parties? Not very often, actually. In session, it's more common. I have more regular interactions with the prime minister to keep his feet to the fire, to make sure he's delivering on the dental care that we're forcing them to do, on things like pharma care that we're going to push for this fall. We have more meetings to continue to make sure that they follow through on the things we're forcing them to do. And the other leaders, not so formal, but when we're in parliament, we run into each other every now and then. When Today in BC continues, Jugmeet Singh talks about healthcare and wildfires. CanadianEvergreen.com is your trusted news source for all things green, offering up-to-date news and stories from Canada's booming cannabis industry. Content you can trust from Black Press Media. Today in BC is a Black Press Media podcast. I'm Peter McCulley. Jugmeet, when we met earlier in the year, you were on Vancouver Island talking to Canadians about the healthcare system in a roundtable fashion. Were there any comments from Canadians that have found their way into NDP policy? Two of the things that came up in those meetings that really stuck out, people really wanted to see our healthcare system cover people head to toe and were quite shocked that we don't include dental care, we don't include medication coverage. So those are two things we heard from people and we're pushing forward on it. By the end of this year, seniors are going to have free dental care. People living with disabilities and kids 18 and under will all have access to a national dental care program that we pushed for, fought for, and are going to deliver by the end of this year. And pharmacare was something else that people brought up. We heard a lot of people say, it doesn't make sense that our healthcare system covers doctor's visits, hospital visits, but the medication you need to stay well, many people can't afford it, or have limited coverage, so cut back on what they need and end up getting more and more sick. So those are two things that we heard from people and we're delivering on them. In general, people want a healthcare system that's there for them and their family when they need it. If they fall sick, they want to be able to go to a doctor or go to an emergency room and not have to wait hours and hours. And if they have a procedure they need to get done to improve their quality of life, they shouldn't have to wait for months and months or years to get that procedure. We agree. In BC, we're seeing a lot of really positive steps. Some of the private clinics have been brought back into the public system. We're seeing a real strong focus on healthcare. At the federal level, the past liberal and conservative governments have been eroding the federal contribution of healthcare, and that is contributing to the problem. So we want to see that reversed and increase our share and get back to being equal partners in healthcare. So we have a new problem in 2023, aside from what we've had the last two or three years, with the national immigration numbers down the past few years because of the pandemic and reduced numbers of people moving to Canada. We now have a busy year for people moving to Canada. And the healthcare system and the housing markets are not only going to need to be adjusted for those of us here now, but those on the way. This is one where I've got to really point out that 
with or without immigration, we needed massive investment in housing and a major investment in our healthcare system. Of course, we need to make sure people that are coming to Canada are able to access the things that they need to be able to live a good life. And that means being able to go to the schools and have access to healthcare and have a home. Regardless of immigration, we need to just really emphasize how much we need to build more homes that people can afford and make sure our healthcare system works. And we need to do that. There's no, I don't want to see politicians start to use immigration as an excuse, as that's the problem, when we know the problem has been inaction, lack of focus. But we certainly need to make sure that we've got enough resources and infrastructure to welcome the people that are coming to Canada. There's no doubt. With the wildfires across British Columbia and the Northwest Territories, across the country even, there have been calls to form a national fire service. How do you feel about that? I agree. I've called for the same thing. We rely very heavily on international firefighters, and we are very thankful that many come from different countries. I think about South Africa, particularly because when they come, they often do a very inspiring dance to encourage Yes, to lift their spirits, to get ready to do the hard work they're doing. It's a cultural thing they do. And as Canadians, we're so thankful. But it shows that we don't have enough capacity to deal with the challenges in our own country. We continually have to rely on international help. And that really highlights that the forest fires that we're experiencing are no longer the one-offs. It's not a one-off disaster where we've got to scramble for extra resources. It's becoming a common occurrence. And not just where we expected, like the interior of B.C., or seeing it in places that we never saw it before. The Arctic right now, one of the coldest places in our country, is on fire. Yellowknife, where I visited earlier this summer and met with evacuees from local communities that would come to Yellowknife as a safe spot, have now had to flee because Yellowknife itself has been evacuated. We've been calling for and will continue to call for a national firefighting force with the personnel, the equipment, the training necessary to be deployed across the country where needed and have sufficient resources so they can respond and catch fires early on. When we catch a fire early, we can actually do a better job of containing it or ending it. So that is something we absolutely need. We also heard from people that we need a better emergency response team that is national and operates year-round, given the flooding, the extreme cold and snow, and fires, extreme weather is more common and we need to have a steady system in place rather than having to immediately tool up for communities that are smaller, don't have the expertise or don't have the resources. It's a very impossible task. So having that emergency team as well ready to go and deployed into communities is another thing we're calling for. It's been a very rough three years on small business in this country. Do you have any specific thoughts on how the NDP plan to support and grow small business? One of the things we've heard from the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, the CFIB, is the SIBA loans, the loans that some small businesses took out during the pandemic, were very helpful, but they're not in a position to pay them back yet. The level of business hasn't gotten back to pandemic or pre-pandemic levels yet. So many of those businesses are saying, we're stuck now, we can't repay our loans. And that's going to really put us in a bind. So they're asking for an extension. We support that. We've called for that extension, echoing the call of the organization that represents these small businesses. We also know that for small businesses, they're often treated the exact same way as a larger business. And it doesn't work. A one size doesn't fit all. That approach doesn't work when 
we've got large companies that have significant personnel and people dedicated to dealing with some of the grants or some of the bureaucracy that's required. A big business can handle that. They've got enough resources to deal with that. For a small business, they don't have extra personnel that are sitting around that can deal with that extra work, some of the paperwork necessary. So we need to have a different approach for small business, something that's more streamlined, something that is more responsive to the specific needs of smaller businesses. And we really believe our focus is on workers and small business as a party. And so we really want to see that specific tailored approach where it's not the same approach for a big business as it is for a small or medium sized. And we want to see the right supports in place so those businesses can thrive. Another thing that businesses have said is that they are also being impacted by the housing crisis. A lot of small businesses can't hire the staff that they want because people can't move to their communities because there's nowhere to live. So dealing with the housing crisis will help. Many have also said that things like pharmacare would actually assist those businesses. It's a good recruiting tool if you've got medication coverage included in the country in addition to healthcare. It's something that can help recruit some of the talent that we want to bring into Canada. My local Chamber of Commerce in Burnaby has endorsed the idea of pharmacare and said that we want that as a business incentive. For us, it's something that we want to see because it'll help us on the business side, not just for people's health and well-being. Those are some of the things that we want to see happen. Merchant fees, I should say, is a final one. A lot of small businesses are concerned about the cost of merchant fees. Now, with more and more people using credit cards, there's a significant cost to that. So we've been talking about capping that fee at 1% so that small businesses don't get gouged in a lot of ways by the credit card companies charging high merchant fees. You mentioned the Chamber of Commerce in Burnaby South, where you are the member. British Columbia has long been somewhat of an NDP stronghold at various levels of government. Why do you think that is? I think at some point when New Democrats got in, we made real concrete changes to people's lives and people saw the benefit. Things like uh, public auto insurance, when it first came in, was a big boon for a lot of people. It, was, it really was a big cost savings. I was on the auto insurance beat when I was provincial in Ontario, and I would often cite BC. Even when things were going in the wrong direction with the BC Liberals, it was still far more affordable for everyday families to go through the public system than it was the private. The investments in healthcare, the investments in support for workers, I think people saw the benefit. And once you see what you can get from a government that's really focused on people, it then builds a lot of support. And so that's why we still see that support in BC where people have said, you know what, we've seen BC NDP governments make our life better. We trust them. And recently with Premier Horgan and now Premier Eby, people are seeing that there's a focus on their needs being met. And that gives a lot of trust and confidence in New Democrats. And we continue to point to BC as an example of this is what you get in BC. Imagine we had a federal partner that was equally working every single day with people's best interests in mind, everyday workers, everyday families, everyday small businesses. I'd like to thank Jagmeet Singh, leader of the New Democratic Party of Canada, for being with us on this edition of Today in BC. If you have suggestions or comments, send a voice message to podcast at blackpress.ca. You may be part of our podcast mailbag segment. You'll find Today in BC podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, YouTube, and Google Podcasts.
From hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels, westcoasttraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com.